Hello, welcome to the Grace Apostolic Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you joined us. We hope this podcast serves as a tool that encourages you and helps you navigate through this journey called life. If you wouldn't mind, we would greatly appreciate it if you would subscribe and review this podcast channel. Your feedback matters, and we want to serve you to the best of our abilities. Thank you so much. Let's go to the Word. Wonderful. Amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 24. This is the story of the talents that the, the man gives uh, five talents and two talents and one talent. And so he deals with the other two. The, first, the, the man with five took five and made five more. The man with two took two and, took, and, and made two more. But then he comes to verse number uh, 24 with a man with one talent. And this is what this, this man did. Verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid my talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. In other words, I took what you gave me and I did absolutely nothing with it but buried it in the ground so I wouldn't lose it. I was afraid of losing what you'd given to me. And so because I was afraid of losing it, kind of sounds like someone that's afraid to get around sinners, you know? But Lord, I didn't want to get around sinners. I didn't want them to wear off on me so I, didn't, I just stayed in my own little safe place, you know? And so I didn't help anybody, I didn't reach for anybody, I didn't invest in anybody, but Lord, I'm still saved. And uh, his, his, his Lord wasn't very happy about that. This one thing that I have that you give me, this is your, here, here, it's back to you. Verse 26, his Lord answered and said unto him, thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. <clears throat> there was an expectation when this man gave them that talent. The expectation was, I am coming back again. Does that sound like anybody you know? I'm, I'm going away right now, but I'm going to come back. And when I come back, I expect that what I have given to you has overflowed the banks of your own life and has been invested into other people. Now, we cannot make people serve God. We cannot make them receive the Holy Ghost. That's not our power. But there is an expectation. We have to give them a chance to hear it. And they have to hear the gospel. There's an expectation for us to have an investment in the work of God. Jesus Christ did the work. He went to the cross. He shed his blood for us to be saved. But now there's an expectation that we invest in his work. If you didn't know it, you're his hands in this earth. You're the feet of Jesus in this earth. You're the voice of Jesus in this earth. We're ambassadors for Christ. And he's not coming back again in the flesh to try to win this world again. He's already done his job. It's our turn, and it's our expectation from our Savior that we invest in the work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We, this is no time for lazy saints. This is no time for people trying to be safe in their own safe zone. I'm telling you, there's a world to be won, and there's broken people out there, and Jesus Christ is expecting the church to be the difference makers and to invest in people that are broken. That's our responsibility. 
Amen. I don't want to be like the one man with the talent didn't do anything with it. I want to do something with what God has given me. So I want to talk to you for a little bit on investment in the work. Investment in the work. Everyone say amen to the reading the word. You may be seated. Please remember if you can, when you're in the lobby area, if you can have your masks on, when you're talking to people, if you see me, I'm around. If I get close within that range of six feet, I'm putting my mask on just to protect people. I want people to feel comfortable around me. So if you can, best you can with that. So I looked up the word investment today. Of course, um, you know what the first definition would show in when it comes to investment. Everyone automatically assumes money, which absolutely when I looked up investment, the, the definition uh, when I looked up investment was about money. Simply investing uh, money into a market, stock market for profit. You invest your money hoping to gain a profit from uh, your money. Well, I'm not worried. I'm not concerned about money. That's not what my topic's about. My topic's about soul winning. Uh, so I, I, I continued reading the, the definitions. The second definition that I want to talk about was this. An act of devoting time. Now, devotion's a, a strong word. Devoting. That means it's set aside. When you devote yourself to something, you're devoted to that and no other. Right? When I devoted myself to my wife, that closed the doors for every, every other lucky lady, right? Am I right? <laughs> Just when I devoted myself, boy, you're so high on yourself. When I devoted myself to my wife, I closed the door for every other opportunity. Why? Because I'm devoted. Investment, an act of devoting your time and your effort or energy to a particular undertaking with the expectation of a worth while result. If there's ever been a definition that could define soul winning, it would be that. You've got to be devoted to people. You, it's going to take your time, and it's going to take your effort, and it's going to take your energy and your finances to win souls. I, I, I wish I could tell you it's the easiest thing you'll ever do. All you got to do is tell someone about Jesus, they're going to come right in, everything's going to be fine, never have to worry about it again, but that is not the truth when it comes to being devoted to people, because we know people. We're all people, amen? But the thing about it is, is whether it's financial investment or investing in people, there are no guarantees that the worthwhile result will happen in your investment. Now, people have lost tens of thousands. They've lost millions of dollars. They've lost life savings, hoping the market will go one way and it crashes. People have literally taken their lives because of all their money that they accumulated over the years in, their, in their, the sunset of their, of their age lost all that money and they take their life because their life depended on the stock market. Because there really are no guarantees that you're going to get a worthwhile result from your investments. But the difference with the time that you invest in people is this. Whether or not the people or the person you're investing in responds, that is not what God cares about. It's the investment that God cares about. So even if that person that you're trying to win does not respond, God blesses 
and keeps track of your time because you'll never lose your investment that you make in people because God keeps good books. Amen? God blesses that time that we spend with people. Now, there is an expectation from God to us that we as his people, we who claim his name in baptism, we who are called by his name, we who hold the truth dear, that we are expected to invest in others. No place does the Bible ever give us the out not to be a soul winner. No place does the Bible ever declare that when we are blessed, when we have the wonderful ability and someone reaches for us and we come into the wonderful truth, there's no time in Scripture where we're ever allowed to come into this truth, sit like a bump on a log, keep our mouths shut, and just be saved till Jesus comes. No, no, no. Rather, he calls us, once we're saved, he calls us into the work of God. Nobody can say, that's not my job. Nobody can say, well, pastor does that. I don't have to. No, once you are saved, once you have been, an investment has been put into you, you don't have the right, you don't have enough time to sit there and do nothing. But rather, God requires us to, be, to reach for other people with what God has put in us. I'm sorry, but just being saved is not considered success in God's eyes. Well, God, I brought myself back. I brought myself here. You invested me, and here I am. God said, listen, folks, you have enough Holy Ghost to win the whole world. So if we're just happy that we have the Holy Ghost and we're just saved and we're going to heaven, God says, man, my Holy Ghost is so much bigger than just for one vessel. The, the Bible talks about the miracle of the oil, and the oil was constantly being poured as long as there was a vessel around to pour into. And when the vessel stopped, the oil stopped. What we need to do is reach for as many people and bring the vessels into the house of God. Why? Because there's enough Holy Ghost for every vessel you can gather and every vessel you can bring. There's enough Holy Ghost. So I say I'm not going to be satisfied just being saved. I believe my Holy Ghost is strong enough that I can reach into the deepest despair and the most broken people and pull out a treasure for God and show God, God, this is the treasure you've given to me to work with. Because just being saved is not success. Yes, is the most important thing getting your soul saved? Absolutely. But I don't hang my head on the fact that I'm saved. I'm just, I'm just saved because I'm obedient to the word of God. I'm not, I'm not super smart or great at anything, but I was obedient to the word of God, and I'm thankful, but now I've got to go and reach for somebody else. That's my obligation once I received the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name. Jesus commands us, everyone say us, in Matthew 28, 19, Go, the first word, go and teach all nations. That's us. That's not just the disciples. That word was written in, in history and forever settled in heaven that every one of us must feel the responsibility of that call and that commission. The, the apostles, they're dead and gone, but now in 2020, because, well, that was just the apostles. No, 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 God is still calling for the church and the people in the church to go and teach all nations. That's us, that's our responsibility. He tells us in Luke 24, 47, and that repentance and remission of sins 
should be preached in his name among all nations. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached. Doesn't mean that it is. But it's got to be preached. If someone's going to be one, it's got to be preached to them. Investment in people is an everybody job. Let us, let us not get comfortable in a role at church and say, you know, reaching for souls is not my job because I do this, I already have this role. Let's not get so comfortable fulfilling a position that we say preaching is not my job. See, we do injustice to the word preaching when we look at a man and say he's a preacher. Or we look at him and say, man, that was some good preaching. That, that was a sermon. But if you look at what preaching is, it's not relegated to a person or a man. What does the word preaching mean? It means to bring good news and announce glad tidings. So are we rele relegating one man that comes through and calls him evangelist? That, oh man, thank God for the preacher in your life. Guess what? Every one of you has a preacher inside of you. Every one of you has the ability to give good tidings and share a good story. You don't have to be a great pulpiteer. That's, that, that's what the difference is. It's a pulpiteer. You, you know, you, when you get behind these things, you know what people are looking for. You know how to say certain words. Uh, you know, you, you, you have to be careful things you say because everyone's listening to your words. But guess what? That, that doesn't make me any more better preacher than any one of you. You simply have to give good tidings. Every one of you is a preacher. Every one of you has an obligation. All you got to do is share the good tidings with someone that's broken. I see a room full of preachers in the house, and the world's looking to you. The world depends. Depends on the words that you speak out of your mouth. But I'm not the pastor. I don't care if you're the pastor. That's a position. But you are a preacher because you are there sharing the good news and announcing glad tidings. You don't have to yell like me. You don't have to spit everywhere and say you're, you're preaching the message. No, that's, that might be my style. But all, you, all, all the Bible is asking you to do is share good tidings. When someone comes to you with a problem, you can just say, man, I'm going to be praying for you, and I believe God can. I, I was doing that today. Our, our local, our local uh, dry cleaner, man, he's having a problem with this issue with his father. I said, man, I can just tell you what God did for me. I prayed, and God opened up doors. I'm telling you, I believe if you start praying, God, maybe God brought you here just to get your attention. I don't know. Listen. It doesn't take a whole lot, just encouragement. That Guess what? That makes you a preacher. That makes you someone that can be a soul winner. Well, well, I don't know all the scriptures. Who cares? It doesn't say anything about memorizing scriptures. If you are afraid to reach people because you don't know what to say, you don't know what the Word of God says. The Word of God says if you have the Holy Ghost, don't worry about what you're going to say because the time that you need it, the Holy Ghost will put the words in your mouth and you'll speak the words that God wants you to speak. Have you ever done that before? Man, it blows me away. I'm like, what in the world did I just say that? I had no idea that I even was, I, I'm not that smart. And you know absolutely you were, being, you were being led by the Holy Ghost because you get out of your comfort zone and said, Lord, I don't care if I look like a fool. I want to be a soul winner. 
Because investments that we make in people transcend what we do here in this house. I don't care what your role is. Soul winning is everyone's job. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12, we know what it talks about. It talks about the roles of certain people in church. That God gave us certain people, apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And we can point at people and say, that's him, that's him, that's him. But those people were not put in place, and I will say this right now, and I'm one of them. Those people were not put in place in the church to be put on a pedestal and to be looked at and honored as the only few that can reach the lost. We sometimes honor them, and that's fine. I give honor where honor's due. But I think every one of you should be put on a pedestal. You don't want to know why? Because God thinks you're his treasure. And God put his spirit in you. So you have every right to be behind this pulpit as I do if you have the Holy Ghost. Every one of you is a treasure in God's eyes. Every one of you should be put in a, on a pedestal. Why? Because God thought enough of you to pour in his spirit. And the, the problem, what you need to stop doing is you need to stop uh, just kicking the dirt and saying, well, I'm just a saint in the church. Let me tell you something. The ministry of, the, of God's work is done through the saints of the church. You need to start realizing who you are. I've got a call. I can be a soul winner. I can make a difference in someone's life. If I thought you could see me better, I would, I would get rid of this platform and make me even with everybody else. So, so I, as you know that I'm not better than anybody else, but we can't do that. It's the way the church is built right now, and it would be kind of funny. You wouldn't be able to see me, maybe. But I'm telling you, sometimes we fit in roles. We think, oh, only the pastor can do that. I'm just a saint. Let me tell you something. The reason God gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers was for the edifying of the saints for the work of the ministry. You want to know where preachers miss it, they feel like they should be served by the church instead of serving the church. Anytime you get a preacher that has a word and he can direct anything better than everybody else or he can, he can solve it better than anybody else, he's lost his mark. The preacher's responsibility is to serve the church that God has given him the ability to serve. And so the, the role of the, the pastor, the prophet, evangelist, you know, unfortunately, we, man, we'll, we'll, we'll follow people around the whole nation. Oh, so-and-so's preaching. Let's all go. And we flock to hear a man. People, the, the people that God puts to preach and to, to oversee, they're to be servants. Why? They're to serve the church to prepare them for the work of the ministry. What I'm doing here is I'm not doing the ministry. The ministry is outside of the walls of the church. The ministry is in the pews. The ministry is in the saints of the church that when you leave here, instead of saying, well, wasn't that a great sermon, Pastor, did a good job. No, you leave here with a burden in your heart saying, man, I've got to win somebody. I've got to reach for somebody. I'm going to try one more time. I'm going to reach one more time. Why? The ministry is in the pews, not in the pulpits. If we could release the ministry out of the church to do what the church could do, you wouldn't have enough space in this place for everyone that, that wants to come in. If we could release the ministry, and I, I started thinking about maybe, maybe Sunday should be just, just for, you know, for, for anyone that's a sinner, anyone that comes in that, that's never heard about this, and we, we really, as a church, reach for them. But on Wednesdays, we should really prep the church for the ministry that you have responsibility to do. Because yes, I'm gonna give an account for you in heaven. I don't know how it's gonna work, but guess what? Every one of you is gonna give an account for the Holy Ghost that you have. That's why I say soul winning, working in the ministry is everyone's 
responsibility. The product that is produced through the ministry is a converted soul. That's what our product is. We should not look at our church attendance as just food for me and to stay saved until Jesus comes and that's it. But rather, I want to look at my attendance as an opportunity to fill up on Jesus so that I can pour out and invest in someone else that does not have the truth that I have. We should all carry the same burden of this together. It shouldn't be a pastor's lot to have to pray in his office, oh God, let there be a burden for soul winning rest upon our church. Will I pray that? Yes, I'll pray that. But I'm so thankful for a young man like Brother Shane Rudd that came up here yesterday and said, Pastor, I'm going to be there for an hour. I'm just going to go around and pray at the pews if you don't mind. Tell you what, that's a church that's going to see revival. When everybody realizes I have a responsibility and I have a burden for the lost, I'm not going to leave that up to the pastor, but I myself am part of this church. And guess what? I'm a person in a lost world and I want to reach as many souls as I can. It's not the pastor's job. It's not the evangelist's job. If we're going to see revival, it's when every person full of the Holy Ghost says, Oh God, just give us souls. Oh God, just give us souls. Lord, just one more soul. That's the beginning of revival for every church when we all feel the same way about soul winning. Brother Matt Anderson said just the other day, every day I look for just two minutes in a day to minister to somebody. Is that because Brother Matt's a minister? Is that because he's a reverend? No. It's because he wants to be a soul winner. Reverend is a title. Soul winner is what you do. I've seen many reverends that are not soul winners. And I've seen many soul winners that should be, but are never called reverends. But they do as much as pastors or ministers do behind a pulpit. Why? Because they love souls. Now some may say, Brother Matt, well, two minutes isn't very long. Try it. Just do it then. Oh, two minutes is nothing. The little things we don't do and the big things we can't do, we do nothing at all. And so how many people don't even look for two minutes in a day to reach for somebody? In Jude 22 and 23, chapter 1, says this, and if some have compassion, making a difference, 23, and others save with fear. Sometimes you have the some, and sometimes you have the others. Unfortunately, sometimes God gives you the others, right? Some have compassion, making a difference. Love on them. That's all you need to do. And they come to church, they just love you forever. And then you have the others, but God gives you the some, and he gives you the others, some let them love on you a little bit, but others save with fear. You know, that's, those are the hard-headed ones, the people that God gives us. Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Because the truth is this, not everyone responds the same way. Some people just need a shoulder to cry on. One thing I've learned about being a chaplain my job, the ministry of the chaplain, is presence. I don't have to say the right words. I don't have to say, I'm so sorry for the loss of so-and-so. I'm so sorry that your husband took his life. I just have to show up and be in their living room and say, whatever I can do, I'm here. For some people, soul winning is just the ministry of presence. You're in their life. You're there. You're a phone call away. That's all, that's, that's all you can give. That's all you need to give. Because just showing them a compassionate ear or, or compassionate words, something, is enough to win some people. Some have compassion, making a difference. 
But then there's others that are a little hard-headed. The Bible says for them, you need a little hellfire for those people. You need to scare them a little bit with brimstone. See, it's important that we as lovers of souls know how to reach for people where they are. And understanding that people are different. That just because it worked out this way for this guy doesn't mean I can use the same tactics on that guy. We have to be, that's why we have to be sensitive in the Holy Ghost to know what the needs of the person that we're working with is. That's why you need to pray. See, praying is not just to save your soul. Understand praying is your, is your strength, it's your power, it's your wisdom, it's your direction. That's why you should pray in the morning. Why? To get direction because you don't know that person at, at Kroger's where they are. You don't know what they're going through, but because you prayed and got direction in the morning, you're ready to meet their need. Because you spent time in the presence of God. Some people just have to be hard-headed. You know, it's it's, it's kind of like our children, you know. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. You know, some kids, some one of your kids, you can just look at them the wrong way and they just break in half. That's cash. You just look at them straight and he's ready to just, life's over. He's just going to break down and cry. Now, Cecilia, and maybe Lincoln, maybe not so much so. You have to talk to him a little more. But, but see, you, you can't parent every child the same because every child is different. You understand that. So you, and one thing my wife has done a great job is she learned the love language of my kids so she knows how the kids respond. So it would be a disjustice and disservice to my children if I say this is one style of disciplining and I'm going to discipline all three kids the same way you can't do that. Because my, my son may respond different than my daughter, my, diff, my daughter different than my other son. So you have to take every person as they are. Why? Because people are not robots. So if we just think, well, I gave him the word of God, he should have responded. People aren't robots. Some people, you give them one word and they're ready to come in and give their life to Jesus Christ forever and just be here forever. And some people, you're beating your head against the wall. But God gave you people to work with. There's a book out there called um, People Are Miserable and We're All People. We all have bad days. But it's our responsibility to be led by the Holy Ghost, if you really want to be a soul winner, that we know where they're at and we can understand their circumstance so we don't just give up on them because they don't respond right away. I've heard some of your stories. Some of you guys have been working with people for years and you don't know, you don't know when it's going to happen. But guess what? Your responsibility is to not get them to be here or make them come. Paul said, listen, I, I planted and polished water, but guess what? God is always going to give the increase. What you do, you just keep sowing the seed and you just keep watering that seed. And then when God says it's time, then that person will come to the Lord. But don't give up giving the seed simply because that person hasn't responded in a time when you wanted them to respond. Jesus came to give his life. He came to the earth for one purpose, to give his life on the cross. He also said to us in Matthew 16, 25, he that saves his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. People have spent their lifetime trying to attain positions and titles. They have been driven by the reward of what others will call success. But in the end, all of that is over when you take your last breath. Doesn't that sound so foolish? Everything 
that you attained. Everything you tried to gain in this earth, every possession, every dollar, everything you own is gone for you at your last breath. We can't take our success in this present world with us. The only thing we can take with us is what do we do to affect other people around us? Because you can take that to heaven with you. Your house, your car, and everything you own, once they bury you in the ground, might go to somebody else. Think about that. Your life's goals. Your classic car you've had in your garage for years and years and you worked on. Someone else is going to get your work and your efforts. Because you can't take it with you. And you spent your whole life gaining things. Isn't that why Solomon said it's all vanity? Vanity of vanities, all, everything I work for, everything I... Everything I've done in this life for it to be gone at my last breath. You really want to lose out on eternity for stuff you can't even keep? You want to you trade your soul for things that are going to be gone and vanish away in a moment of time? I'd rather live now and lose my life to reach people and win for eternity than to turn my focus on this world and do everything that I think the world says is great and lose my life for eternity. There is no, there is, there is no debate for me. It's, I can't lose my soul for eternity. I pray that God give me his focus, help me be a laborer in his harvest. I See, let me say this. I have no problem. When I say that, I want to all say this. I have no problem with people investing in themselves in this life. I, you know, I think it's wonderful when someone gets a new job. Man, I, I tell you what, I'm not jealous of anybody. I am so thankful when someone gets a new job, when someone gets a promotion. So, hey, I made a million dollars. That's Man, that's so awesome. If it's God's blessings on you, I enjoy seeing God's blessings on people. It doesn't matter the amount of what they get. But when I see a blessing on someone and they're doing it the right way and God's blessing, guess what? If they've got a finer house, car, man, I don't care if they got a cool little hot rod car they're driving around. I'm not jealous at all. Especially today. <laughs> Driving the top down. I think it's awesome, man. If God can bless people and they, they, they want to go on nice vacations and they have nice houses, that's great. Uh, you know, living well in life and being, being successful in life, that's great. So long as we remember, all that we gain is just stuff. It's just stuff that's going to go away. That that stuff that you have serves you and you don't serve your stuff. The stuff you have serves you to make you happy. You don't serve the stuff you own. How many times have we seen that? People get a lot of stuff, and all of a sudden they become a servant to their stuff. Instead of the other way around. I love my house. But my house is a place where I've already told God I will have people over. My kitchen table will be a place where I'll teach Bible studies. Because... My house serves me. And everything I own, I want it to be for the glory of God. The reason that I built here was because my plan was, God, I want to reach my city. And God, we want to have a place where people can come over. And God, I want to have a place where people can come and I want to teach Bible studies to. I built a tree house, partly for me. But there's a big part that wasn't for me. I built a tree house because I never had one as a kid. 
And secondly, it's a place where kids can come over. And my kids can invest in other kids. And they can spend time. Why? Because I realize everything I own is for a purpose. Everything I own in life, my money, my house, everything I have must be in purpose with God. If you've got things in your life that are not in purpose with God, I would say you better get rid of it. Because if you have anything in your life that you serve, God says no man can serve two masters. You're going to love one and you're going to hate the other. I say I want to remove everything out of my life that is not like God and does not serve a purpose of soul winning in my life. I don't want to lose my life over stuff that doesn't matter. I don't want my blessings to become my downfall. And, I'm not, and, and, and I don't want to be a servant to my stuff. If you look at your schedule on a regular basis, some of you are so busy doing things you think are important. And, I, and please, I, let me apologize and back up. Maybe not in this house, but there's people online watching, maybe aren't here. But so often... People get so busy in their schedule, they are a servant to their schedule. My schedule serves me. And if there's a moment that I need to minister, guess what? My schedule stops to minister. Or my schedule doesn't start till I've given God some time or reading or prayer. Or Do you understand? Look at your schedule. Look at how busy you are. Can you, when you look at your schedule and you look at how much time you, you do other things other than doing what God wants you to do, can you really say that you're given to God's kingdom? Can you really say you're investing with that talent that God has given you? Can you really say you're actively trying to reach the lost? Because reaching the lost is what matters to God. So, I'll be too much longer. We must reach for people by any means possible. Sometimes that includes hellfire. Did I already say that? Scaring people. Takes me back to a memory about 30, can you believe I'm saying 31 years ago? You can still remember that? It's crazy. About 31 years ago, I really had a passion for winning souls when I was about 11 or 12. And, um, I brought my friends over. I said, guys, I, some of you heard the story, some of you haven't. I, I had some neighborhood friends. and I said, guys, I, I, want you, I want you to see something here in my house. And so I brought them over to my house, and behind, behind our piano, my dad's Search for Truth chart was there. Search for Truth is the old Search for Truth. It was the black and white one, you know. But every once in a while, you'd see the red, the red line going through the old Search for Truth um, charts. But there was one picture in particular that I would just stare at. It was the 666 picture. You guys remember that old chart? Black and white. And everything was black and white except for all the blood on <laughs> the whole picture. And on that, on that picture, there was a, there was a, a guy on there, and he's, he's like looking like he's a zombie. And he's got 666 on his hand, 666 on his forehead, and the, the earth has opened up, and one guy's trying to drink from a fountain, and blood water's coming out. And man, it's just freak any 11 year old kid out, you know. The sun's all red, you know, the sky's black, and man, it would terrify anybody. Hollywood can't make a better picture than that. And I got all my friends down. They're all 9, 10, 11. I said, guys, this is what's going to happen at the end of the world. <laughs> this is, this is, this is going to happen probably next week. I don't know how long it's going to happen. That next day, they were all at church crying, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Just this week, 
Cecilia made a prayer journal for her friend Addison. I believe Addison's going to be saved. I, my, my daughter's already got her hooks in. When Cecilia gets her mind on something, you're not going to shake her. She's got her hooks in. And so she made Addison, uh, her, her, her friend, uh, a prayer journal. So cute. It's about, she gives her all the how to pray and, you know, this whole journal. But then in the part of it, she wrote to Addison um, a little, maybe a little sermon she thought <laughs> she felt like writing something to Addison. So anyway, she wrote to Addison about all these good things. And then she goes, and Addison, at the end of the, the world, um, the Lord's going to come back, and those that aren't ready, um, they're going to, and I think she said they're going to spend seven years like in torment, and then they're all going to go to hell. In her, her prayer journal. And so uh, Lincoln and my wife advised a little bit, well, you know, to say maybe you shouldn't say that, you know, life is, she misses it seven years, and, and then they're going to go to hell like that. But and I thought, you know, and, and I thought, I thought, you know what, if that's, what the Lord directed my daughter to write to her friend? I know it sounds crazy. My wife said, well, what if her parents read that? <laughs> I think I'd be wise. But you know what, folks? This world is not getting any better. This world is getting darker and darker. And guess what? If my 11-year-old daughter wants to tell her friend that if people aren't ready, they're going to hell, guess what? That's the truth. And this world does not need watered-down gospel. This world does not need people that are afraid of being offensive. This world needs people that love souls enough to tell them what the truth is. Jesus Christ died on the cross. His blood will save you. But if you're not ready, there is a hell out there. But I'm telling you, you don't have to go to hell. There's a heaven that Jesus died that we might have. If you've got to tell them, if you've got to put, let's all remain standing, if you've got to put a bony finger in their face, hey, listen, man, I told you over and over again, I'm going to tell you one more time, your life is not right. You know why you can do that? Because every one of you are preachers. Every one of you have a good word to say. Every one of you have a responsibility. That is the job of the church, to go out and do the ministry of God's kingdom. And so this week, Let's look for two minutes every day. Let's, let's look for someone we can just... I remember being 18, working as an electrician with a guy, and he's just telling me his, his life story, man. I just, it's like someone put a wet blanket on my head. It just felt so heavy. I said, I said, Dad, I came home. I said, man, Dad, this guy I'm working with, he's, man, he's just telling me about his life, and he's just so down. I just feel this heaviness. And my dad says, well, have you, have you ever read... Isaiah 53? I said, well, I guess I don't really, I didn't commit it to memory. At that time, I didn't. He said, well, read it. And then Jesus Christ was a man acquainted with grief. You know that? That's, can you imagine your life, your whole life, 33 and a half years, and you're acquainted with everyone's grief around you? So much so that even though he had the power to raise Lazarus, it was so heavy that he wept. That's heavy. And, and I'm all about us being joyful and happy and excited. But guess what? Every once in a while, it's important that we get down to where real people are. And we get out of our bubble of everything's perfect. And we get down there and we wrap our arms around somebody and we can take on their grief and carry that grief with us to help them. That's the ministry of the church. And that's not the ministry of just two or three in the church that call themselves ministers. Every one of you are a minister. Every one of you are a preacher. And God has called us all to have an investment in his 
kingdom. If this wasn't true, he wouldn't have given us Matthew 25. He would never have allowed that story to be put in the word of God about the man with one talent. Because there is an expectation that if God gave you talent, he expects you to do something with what he's given to you. And so when I pray, I pray a burden of God would rest on the congregation. I pray a burden of God would just rest on us to say, Lord, I, I've not done enough, Lord. I, God, there's, there's more out there. And I, I, I've too passively passed them by and I just see them, but I never, the same grocer, the same person working at the grocery, the same person that's, whatever it is, Lord, and I have not stopped enough to just ask them, how are you doing today? That might be the only door they need to open up before you can reach for somebody for Jesus Christ. We're going to pray and we're going we're gonna to sing, but if you, if you want to come in front, you can. If you want to pray where you're at, that's fine. If you get really close to people, if you put your mask on, that's fine. But wherever you want to pray, I just think it would be a good chance for us. Just spend some time in prayer and, and let the Lord touch our heart today for the, for the purpose that we're all here for. Lord Jesus, just spend some time. I first want to say thank you, Lord, for saving me, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul, Lord Jesus. God, of the millions of people that are out there, Lord Jesus, I thank you for saving me, Jesus. God, I haven't made an investment like I should, Lord Jesus. I haven't really reached for as many people as I could have, Lord Jesus. Help me to break out of my comfort zone, Jesus, Lord. God, surely there's someone else out there. Surely there's someone else out there, Jesus. Thank you again for joining us here at Grace Apostolic Church. Hopefully this message spoke to you as it did for many others. Grace Apostolic Church is a church family that you can be a part of. If you would like to connect to the church, the best way would be to visit our website at gacclawson.org or visit one of our services. Our service times are Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7.30 p.m. For more information, you can go online at gacclawson.org. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.